0: Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group, and I am your host Titus Bartolotta. We are having an exceptional day here in the Carolinas. A beautiful day. I hope it is beautiful, wonderful, and exceptional wherever you are. If this is your first time joining us here on Solutions from the Huddle, uh, know that you have picked the right first show. We have an awesome new best friend of the program. Uh, Our guest today is someone I'm quite excited to to introduce to you and to interview. I think we're going to all learn uh, a lot, to be quite honest. Uh, but if you're a regular uh, subscriber and you listen to the show, you already know that our whole premise is finding thought leaders, uh, industry experts, people that have uh, done great things that are willing to share their journey and their story and and, and give us some tips, so, so some practical how-tos to maybe help us grow and advance our lives personally and professionally. And so, that's what we have for you today. Uh, We start every show the exact same way. Uh, So we'll do it this time too. And that's just in prayer. So, very quickly, Lord, we ask that you bless the show, our guests, our sponsors, the listeners, every part of the show. Let let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. All right, friends, today, uh, my new friend, Sean Anderson, is on the program. He is a number one ranked motivational author and an international keynote speaker, a lifetime entrepreneur with a track record of raising performance and passion in others. Sean's a seven-time author, right? And he's the creator of Extra Mile Day, a day declared by 512 cities on November 1st of 2020, recognizing Extra Mile heroes in local communities. Uh, quite Quite the accomplishment. Sean, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks so much for being here. Titus Bartolotta, it is my privilege to be on your show today. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm so excited. I've I
0: got to do what the the listeners didn't get to do, Sean. Like I got to already go to your website and already read your bio and already get to know you, but they don't know all that. And and we would have been I would have had to like start and stop the show if I'd have read all of it. It had taken all the time. Um, so I'll let you do that. Tell us kind of the story and the journey, Sean, of kind of where you started, and along the way, our listeners are going to get to hear. A list of accomplishments, but but take us back and kind of let us know who you are. What's the story of Sean Anderson?
1: Oh, fiddlesticks! Let's see. Yeah, you know, simply, I, I really just feel I'm an ordinary guy. But the thing that might make me a little bit different is I believe in doing my best to live an extraordinary life. And I learned at a really young age about the whole concept of cause and effect. And I had a passion for baseball cards. And I realized that to get baseball cards at age 10, I had to make the money to be able to buy them. So using my creativity at that time, I flooded my parents' backyard with water, the giant nightcrawler worms would rise to the surface. I'd pick those dudes up, put them in giant peat barrel buckets, run an ad in the the Reno Evening Gazette back then, sit out on the curb on weekends, and the fishermen would stop by my front yard with this little 10-year-old guy selling worms by the dozen. And back then I learned that the more worms I sold, the more baseball cards I could buy. And ever since then, I've been a guy that's always signed my own check. I've been a guy that's always decided not, not what I had to do to survive, but what I wanted to do to thrive. And my whole life has been creating projects that I'm passionate about, projects that are purposeful to my life. And I keep walking that same walk ever since that little kid sitting on a corner in Reno, Nevada.
0: Mm. I mean, that is that is is empowering to be Quite honest, I'm trying to think of a, a better word, but but it's empowering to hear somebody, especially the, the the statement, "I've been writing my own check." Did you always know I'm going to always write my own check? Like I, I'm, and this is not a knock on the folks that have a job. I mean, I, I think being an entrepreneur an entrepreneur isn't necessarily for everyone. Um, but did you know it was always
1: for you? Well, you know, going back to that first experience at age 10, I knew that I couldn't rely on 25 cent allowance a week to buy very many cards. And so I had to create it. I had to, I had to find the dollars myself. And, 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 and and when I applied myself, I could create more than if I waited for more to come to me. And I think it was that first lesson that really stuck with me. Also, I've always been a a reader of so many motivational, self-empowering, self-improvement books. And I just remember reading so many times when I was younger that when you work for somebody else, eight to five, and they're buying your time, you're helping them live their dream, but it's not necessarily your dream. And for some reason, that resonated in my soul. That resonated in my spirit. I wanted to be the guy that took this very short life that we're given i wanted to be the guy that lived his dream and i could never really do it by working for somebody else so i really never have
0: where along the lines did you start realizing that you needed to put your thoughts on paper yeah we, we i get a lot of questions a lot of audience members say that they have a book in them uh but then you decided to put pen to paper seven times, uh, and, 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 and maybe more than that, but seven of them are published. Along the way, did you realize, I've got something worth writing about, or my experiences are worth uh, letting the world know about to the point where you were brave enough to, to actually publish books?
1: Yeah, two parts of that story. The first thing... It- Going back and saying that I read a, a lot of great motivational books that influenced me, and one of the greatest of all time was the autobiography of Ben Franklin. And in that particular book, he outlines the, the qualities that he wanted to adopt in order to become a better person. So he outlined, I, I remember, 13 different qualities, and he would focus on each one uh, in, in a month. And uh, every four weeks, and he became that quality. So it was that built-in accountability system that really resonated with me. So at that point, I decided, hey, I want my own accountability system. I'm I'm not going to follow Ben's. I'm going to become. I'm going to follow Sean's. And and I said, what makes? Why do so many other people have what I want? Whether it's more money, more influence, more whatever. And I said, you know what? I'm going to create that. So my accountability system back then, when I was in my twenties, became this acronym an acronym that I created called SOAR, S-O-A-R, SOAR. I was out jogging on the beach one day in the ocean in San Diego, California, and I saw these seagulls flying out over the ocean, soaring out of the ocean. I said, I want to be like that seagull. He is flying out into the water. He's flying away from security. He's flying out into risk. He probably doesn't know where he's going because there's no land there. I want to learn to soar in my life and live without just without worrying about failing, falling, being rejected. And so right then, this concept of SOAR came to me. See the dream, S, seeing the dream, knowing what it is that you want. O, organizing the dream into a step-by-step plan. A, taking action on that plan every single day. R, rejecting failure, S-O-A-R. So I applied that. I breathed that. I lived that every day of my life. And before the age of 30, I became... I reached the financial level that many people strive to reach, that million millionaire status. I I did that. And and later in life, uh, I writing was not my vocation. It was my avocation. But I wanted to share that principle of SOAR, the seeing, the organizing, the acting rejected with other people. So I wrote the book called SOAR to the Top then. SOAR to the Top ended up going about 40,000 copies. And uh, ever since then, writing and, and and sharing messages like that have just become something I wanted to I wanted to do. You know, the power of writing is not thinking about how many books you're going to sell, or you, it, it it's about having some sort of deep, passionate, purposeful message that you want to get out, because that's the only way that you finish a book. The message has to be so deeply written within the your own fibers of your being that that when you want to quit writing you don't quit writing you keep writing and that's how you get to the finish line and that's how I've gotten to the finish line seven times
0: yeah that that's that's pretty exceptional is there a best place is it your website is it is it amazon is it barnes and nobles is there a best place for as we continue to have this conversation and i have no doubt folks want to Uh, want to get to know you and and the words and insight of you more, uh, where would you guide folks to go to check out those seven books?
1: Well, certainly you can, you can go to Barnes, you can go to Amazon, but the best place is always my website because I always send extra copies and I always find something personal to write to that individual and sign them myself. So that would be seananderson.com and I guarantee you that whatever you buy, you're going to get more than what you bought. Wow.
0: Uh, Sean Anderson, right here on Solutions from the Huddle, seven-time author, number one ranked motivational speaker. I love the soar, uh, see the dream, organize the dream, take action, and reject failure. Talk a little bit about the R for me, Sean. Um, you know, I think that I've come to this conclusion that where maybe not everybody, perhaps maybe not even the majority, but but many people see a dream. I think at least. This has been my experience, but but I think the amount of folks that are able to reject failure is has never been lower in in human history. I feel like um it, it's it's really challenging for people, and maybe I'm off base. Maybe everybody has a hard time seeing the dream. And, and rejecting failure is easy, but, but could you talk about that R for a moment and tell us how do you, how do you master that uh, and, and what are some practical tips that I'm sure the book will go into more uh, on, but, but something for our listeners to just kind of wet the beak. Uh, the folks out there that are saying, I'm having a real hard time uh, w- with rejecting failure. It sticks with me. It lingers. It doesn't go away. And, 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 and before I know it, it's part of my own DNA.
1: You know, Titus, that's a great question, and I'm going to be so happy to get to that answer, but I want to give you a little background on sort of the top that you, in particular, might find interesting. I know that you have an association with a gentleman by the name of John Maxwell, and my very first book, I was was attending John Maxwell's church in San Diego called Skyline Wesleyan. John opened up his doors to me, and and I went over this concept of SOAR with John in a one-on-one meeting, S-O-A-R, and John in that meeting was one of the first ones that really touched me in such a way that said, man, this is good. I believe in you. I think you're going to be a good writer someday. Let's get this out. So your connection with John Maxwell also runs deeply in this book, Soar to the Top, because he's the first one that really kind of gave blessing over the whole sore concept. Oh, wow. To, to, to your question regarding rejecting, I'll tell you what. If somebody can master the art of rejecting failure, what other people are whispering about you, your own stinking thinking, you have just given yourself a chance to be able to live the life that you love and to be able to achieve the dreams that are burning in your heart. Rejecting failure is the one key thing that I have learned to do over and over. It doesn't mean that I don't stumble a million times. It doesn't mean that it doesn't sting. It doesn't mean that I don't feel like, oh, God, that hurt. But you know what? You learn when, when a dream is so passionately buried into your heart, you don't care what other people say about failing. You don't care that you failed. You just get yourself up again and you say, That didn't work. I know what I want. Let's find another way to make that work. My first book was called Countdown to College, Preparing Your Students for Success in the Collegiate Universe. It's not the book I wanted to write. Sort of the Top is what I wanted to write, but I had no validity as an author to get that book out there. But Countdown to College, I said, I know something about this. Someone will pick it up. I received 80 Three rejection letters from publishers before that book was published. But in the back of my mind, it was never about getting that book published. It was about getting Sword of the top published. 83 times people said, you're not good enough. I don't like this. 83 times people said, move on, go do something different in your life. You're not meant to be a writer. 83 times before someone said, not bad. Let's give it a go, right? Mm so unless you've been knocked down 10 times 15 times 20 times i gotta tell you your heart's got more in you you've got you've you've got more steam more inspiration in you to get back up off your knees and keep living what you want to live don't shorten your success by failing to walk the entire mile that you're meant to walk
0: how sean how important is it to rise above the crowd i noticed that's on the front of the book as well like what you just said part of what i took away from that was was almost this detaching that's what you did you detached yourself from those 83 no's and and you weren't even looking at that book you said this is just the stepping stone this is this is part of what changes the altitude of where i'm at to where it is that I'm going and so when, when I heard you say that I just took a note and then I went to go look at the front of the book again I said this guy this guy detached himself he was he, he decided to fly at a different altitude than, than the frequency in which those rejections were, were coming he just changed the frequency on the dial and then I look at the front of the book here and it says rise above the crowd I mean how important is is changing the frequency and, and not having that stuff um, break through the uh, the 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 doors of your castle and get in,
1: because the whispers that come to me are not as valuable as the whispers that are inside me. Mm. Um, That's good. You know people people whisper Titus you're not good enough Titus you shouldn't do that Titus go do this instead Titus you have a family go support yourself in a different way Titus try this Tit you know what. We don't listen to those whispers. We listen to what's inside us. I want to do a great podcast. I want to reach a million people. I want to do this. I want to do this. Those are the whispers inside us. And when we continually listen to our whispers, when we when we raise our own whispers up, you know, that's who our that's that's where our greatest potential is. Our greatest potential is found in our personal whispers. But the moment that we stop listening to our whispers and taking action on those little voices, those inklings, those, wow, that sounds fun. Wow, I would want to do that. Wow, that inspires me. Wow, that's motivating. When we stop listening to that. Then the whispers start to fade and we start to fall into a life of mediocrity that's directed by all the other whispers coming in, the other people, society, schooling, teachers, parents, ed- government, whatever. They're the ones that direct our path. The more that we block out what we're feeling and thinking on the inside, the more that we lose our individualism to become the person that we were meant to be, to become the contributor that we were meant to be
0: yeah that's good Sean. Uh, man, thank you for that. Well, you know one of the things that i <clears throat> I talk to clients about all the time is is really identifying their voice and and i I want to hear you give your perspective, Sean, on that because sometimes listening to the inner voice or, or the inner whisper you call it, which I thought was really incredible, it's more powerful than the the whispers coming from outside of me, uh, but sometimes the the whisper that's inside is not is not saying something very friendly or very encouraging or very nice. And you made mention of that earlier. I oftentimes will tell clients that, you know, maybe that's, it sounds like it's you because it's the voice in your head and you sound like you, but it might be a regurgitation of what he said, or she said, or they said mm-hmm. about you. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you help people? What what advice do you have for them to actually identify their voice uh, and not, not a mimic of what someone else said about you that you're repeating inside your own head. That's not you, right? How do you identify your own voice when they both sound like
1: you? Mm-hmm. Man, Titus, that is such a good question. And you are such a good thinker. I'll tell you what, that is, that's just, thank you for that question. This is the way that I, that I know that whether I'm, or I'm listening to the, the Sean that wants to be amazing and difference-making or the Sean that wants to be self-defeating because we all, we all wear, wear both of those inside us, the person, the voice, the whisper that moves me forward, that's inspiring, that feels good, man, that's called my potential. That's my potential. The one that says you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you're not handsome enough, you're not rich enough. That's called my self-sabotage. So we have those two voices, one's self-sabotage, one's potential. The one that feels amazing and it feels great, baby, that's your potential. The one that's coming and telling you, you're no good. That's your self-sabotaging voice. Now something really key, one of the greatest gifts you could ever give yourself is called the gift of awareness. And when you have awareness, you've got the ability to distinguish between your potential voice and your self-sabotage voice. When you have awareness, you have the ability to see any moment and rather than to react, to respond and to think clearly through it. When you have awareness, you understand that it's not the world that holds you back, but it's your own, your own attitude, your own action that holds you back. When we have awareness, we can distinguish between the voices
0: uh you know i don't know if I can think of anything on this planet that's more important than awareness you know i i, I and I've had this conversation, Sean, on the show with other uh, brilliant minds such as yourself and i and I've talked with with people i I respect and appreciate um and I don't get a whole lot of pushback. I mean, everybody has maybe their buzzword they like, right? I mean, everything rises and falls with leadership. John would have a hard time saying saying that awareness is more important than leadership, but he would probably, Dr. Maxwell would probably just find a way to bridge the gap between the two words and, and say awareness is just a, a feature of leadership. But I, I, I love what you just said right there, because when we lack awareness, um, it makes it really hard to win. But anything that we're competing at, you know, and, and, and for you to say that it's, it's a greater awareness increases our ability to identify the difference. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can agree more. I, I'm so into what your thoughts are on awareness and, and how important it is for people to develop that skill.
1: You know, and it goes not only to helping ourselves win Titus, but when the deeper our own personal awareness is, the deeper our compassion becomes our sensitivity and the more we're able to help other people win. And that's just taking a, you know, a note out of Zig's book there. You, you sure. know, John and John and Zig were really great friends. And, you know, the, the more I help other people win, the more that I win. And I think if our first intention is to always have that awareness and to see how we can serve and how we can make a difference, it can't, it can't help but come boomeranging back to us. And when you have that kind of awareness to say, you know, how can I serve? Rather than how can I be served? That is, a, that is, that is mm. the difference between people rising yes. and people yes. just be, mm. being stale forever. That is the point where people can live passionately or they can live in complete despair. So mm. many people. And when you go back to that whole rejecting question that you had asked earlier, that rejecting, you know, when when the world keeps rejecting us so much, we start to feel that the world is against us, that other people are more privileged, that we start to feel as if we have no chance. We grow in bitterness. And the more we grow in bitterness, the easier it is to point fingers at other people why they have what we don't have. But when you have awareness… And when you see that your actions and your words are what make a difference, your actions and your words are what move you forward and move you backward, then all of a sudden you have, you have a superpower. You have a Marvel comic superpower because self-awareness gives you the ability to rise to where you want. And when you have that power, then man, not only can you live an inspired life, but you can live a life that leaves footprints that inspire others.
0: That's good, man. Uh, Sean, thank you for that. Um, you know, it makes, it makes sense because the, with your SOAR method, and I hope everyone out there is taking this note. Uh, I mean, obviously get the book, but, but see the dream, organize the dream, you know, act on the dream and then reject failure. And, and part of how you're talking about rejecting failure is, is having greater awareness so that you could identify that kind of goes to the, see the dream part, I would imagine. Right. I mean, kind of hard to to see something with a lack of awareness but but with that awareness we're able to see our dream is that part of what kind of the behind the curtain is for the see the
1: dream yeah, absolutely. About? Seeing the dream is hey, so so I say. So, what's your goal? My goal is just to be happy. Okay, well, what what does happy mean? Uh, you know, being happy. If if it's not more clear or specific, how are you really going to find happiness? It's 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 the same thing. You know, I say to someone in a more visual way. You, the person says, you know, uh, I'm going to go to New York. Well you know, how, how, are, how are you going to get there? What are the steps to get there? What's the, you know, do you have enough money for gasoline? Where are you going to stop? I mean, it's, it's taking a dream and making it so specific. But then also the O is you've got, to have, you've got to have more than just this huge visual dream. You've got to know how you're going to get there. It's not enough to say, you know, I, I want to be successful. One, what does success look like? Seeing the dream. Two, what are the steps to get to success? Three, acting on those steps. It's not going home tonight, turning on the television and watching Pat and Vanna buy imaginary vows on Wheel of Fortune. It's taking action on the steps. And then four, when it comes down to rejecting, it's rejecting and going back and asking yourself, is my dream clear enough? Is, it, is maybe my dream just disguised as happiness, but happiness is I want to lead a nonprofit organization that helps, that helps young kids who come from impoverished families, right? Way different then you go to reject and you say, are my steps clear enough? I'm being blocked right now. What step am I missing? You might have to go back and add some more steps. The action is being honest with yourself. Am I really taking action or, is, or am I just doing lip service? It's the same thing, you know, if, when I used to have salespeople and I would say, you know, how many sales are you going to have today? Hey, Sean, man, I'm going to make as many sales as I can. That's just not, that's not dreaming or that's not wishing or that's not, But I mean, that is dreaming and that's wishing, that's planning, but it's much, much different than a say, I'm going to to make three sales a day. Because when you have three sales a day, then we're able to create a step-by-step plan on how to make the sales that day, right? That's right. That's and, good. So, and so, yeah, dreaming is a big deal. In dreaming, I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I want to be rich. I want to be married. I want to be a parent. I want to give back to community. Those, those aren't really dreams, man. What is it that you want? what is it that you care about what is it that you want to live and breathe every hour of your life what is that answer and let's get that narrowed down because if someone gives me an answer i guarantee you got three more questions coming right back at you to narrow that even more the more specific it becomes the more specific you can feel it in your body the greater that starts to resonate within your soul and when something resonates within your soul you got a chance.
0: Sean Anderson on Solutions from the Huddle, uh, a seven-time author, but we're talking about the book Soar to the Top. I encourage you to get a copy for yourself. Make sure you go to seananderson.com to do that. Hey, on the other end of this really short break, Sean, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you're probably one of the more physical, active people I know. I mean, you're walking across the country. Uh, you got more 100-mile uh, races and and, and adventures, and, and you're doing stuff all across the country that's really exciting. I want the listeners to hear about that and maybe some of the experiences that you've learned or that we can learn through that. Right on the other side of this quick break, um, we'd just like to take a, a quick moment and just say thank you so, so much to the companies, the brands that decide to stand next to this particular show, Solutions from the Huddle. Um, if you want to know who those companies are, it's actually quite easy. You just go to team csg.com that's team csg.com and you click on the solutions from the huddle tab now when you click on that tab you'll be able to see the brands and and companies but and click on their logo please because you'll then also get to know who they are and what they do and listen we wouldn't stand next to their brand if it wasn't worth standing next to now, those brands believe in something very simple personal development and professional growth matters And this show uh, just simply gets brilliant people like Sean to share their journey so that you might have a chance to write down on paper a few directions that you should take in your life. So go to team-csg.com and check out some of those great companies and brands. Sean Anderson uh, is the only brand I really care about right now. Uh, SeanAnderson.com. Sean, tell our audience a little bit um, about some of the really cool things that you're doing or have done across this country. Uh, What is it? Over four thousand miles that you have biked already. What's going on?
1: Oh, fiddlesticks! Well, I'm I'm really I'm a non-bicyclist. Okay, and I I sincerely mean that. (laughs) I, I do not ride a bike. However, I have rode a bike coast to coast, ocean to ocean, two times. But pretty much that's it. I I have strong legs, a strong heart, and a stronger will. And that's what got me across. I wanted just that experience. But more than that now, because, you know, uh, falling off a bike isn't as dangerous as falling when you're walking. I've now walked across, since 2014, I've walked across eight countries. I have walked 750 miles around Shikoku, Japan. I have walked coast to coast across the country of england i've walked around the country of ireland i've walked 450 miles up the coast of portugal from lisbon to spain i've walked 400 miles uh, from Milan to Rome. I've in Italy. I've walked uh, across the country of France, and I've walked two different routes across Spain, including my fastest 550 miles in 27 days, wearing sneakers and carrying a 25-pound backpack. So I do these things, Titus. Not only one because I love travel and I love interacting with people, and not just visiting countries and seeing their version of Disneyland, but really seeing small towns and how people live. But I also do it because I call my axe sharpening events every year i try to go on some big adventure actually every nine months because they're they push me outside of my physical zone my mental zone my spiritual zone my emotional zone and every time that i I start that first week. It's the worst hell week of my life because I've let myself get so soft in so many ways. But by the time I return, my passion is deeper. My purpose is bigger because during those times, it's the moment that I find my deepest self-awareness, my deepest power, and I become I become reunited with what I want to live, what I want to do. And, and that's why I do these walks. Even, in, even this past July, there was a small window where it looked like the COVID virus was maybe passing and I've scooted over. to spain really quick and i did one of my toughest although shortest walks just a quick 200 mile on a route called the primitivo and it's just like it sounds it was very primitive it was up and down mountains some of them felt like 45 degrees up 45 degrees down 45 degrees up 45 degrees down and when you're training at sea level in marina del rey when you start climbing up and down 45 degree angles you kind of are reunited with every swear word you knew as a little kid and uh (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just finished that and it, it just reminds me, it just reminds me, that, uh, I, I just pray that this COVID thing could pass soon. So we all have the ability to go out and travel and see the world because our world becomes bigger when we realize that we live in a big world.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point, Sean. Uh, why, why not fly to these places? Like, What, 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 or when you, what makes you say, I, I'm going to take such a physical journey, right? I mean, I understand the go outside my boundaries, stretch myself, but I want to know what's, what, what, because a lot of that could be done with maybe less physicality. um, But you've been, it sounds like very intentional to, to incorporate just grueling uh, um, physical action in your body. I mean, you are there's no doubt you're seeing, organizing, rejecting, but th- this sounds like a lot of action is happening uh, uh, with you and, and, and all these beautiful countries. Why? H- how do you keep that going?
1: Well, you know, number one, when you're out there, and when I, when I start walking on a route, uh, I leave myself no opening to take any mode of other b- besides those two sneakers that I, I came into the country with. I mean, those are my those are how i'm getting out of the country and when you learn to trust yourself so completely and when you know that you've got to carry yourself out you start to really grow in a certain power and confidence that that no dream is is too big if you're really committed to it so that principle just really gets rooted in me that i don't give myself a way out that i stay focused number two yeah, absolutely. It's overwhelming when you think of walking 750 miles. It's freaking overwhelming, especially when you're going through the first day and you just want to fall down and quit. Or maybe you did fall down and you scraped yourself up and you're all bloody. Or maybe there's a hundred flies that have been chasing you all day. I mean, lots of reasons to quit. But when you realize that success is merely not about getting to the finish line, but it's about just getting to the end of the day. It's about setting mm-hmm. a goal for the day and just taking a baby steps and walking forward. We reach a hundred miles not because we walk a hundred miles in one day. We reach a hundred miles because we walked a hundred yards and then a hundred more yards and then a hundred more yards. And when we learn the power to get to big goals, you break them into little goals, little goals that are achievable, little goals that you can good about doing. That's when you, at the end, when you add up all the little goals, you find out that you just walked 750 miles around Shikoku, Japan.
0: Wow. Sean, we ask every person that comes on this show to not only share tips and tricks direction, which you have more than done, but um, we also ask them to maybe share with us something that they've learned because they've, they've dropped the ball, maybe because they went the wrong way and, and not necessarily said, I'll never do that again, but, but I certainly won't do it that way again. You know, John calls it, um, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, right? Falling forward <laughs> is, uh, is, is one of my favorite directions to fall if I'm going to fall. I would imagine a person who has done as much as you have uh, who's enjoyed as much success as you have, ha- has also gotten it wrong, dropped the ball, made the wrong call a, a time or two. And-, and if you're comfortable enough, and I-, I don't think comfort seems to matter to you, you, you probably pick <laughs> you prick the-, the more vulnerable stuff it sounds like most of the time anyway. But if you're comfortable enough to share one or two scenarios with us, something that we might learn and perhaps not have to do the falling that you've already done, I would really appreciate it.
1: You know Titus, I think as I've gotten older and I'm 58 now. I think as I've gotten older I I don't look at I don't look at my life as succeeding or failing. I look at it as living. And I think when I reached when I reached that that point, and maybe it was about 15 years ago that it really became true to me. I didn't care as much whether I succeeded or failed. I just wanted to live. And when you, when you go after everything with that, with that intention, just just live, man, live what you want to live. Not, it, it wipes away the fake superficiality of success, and it brushes away the hurt and the pain and the anxiety of failing. Because when you're just living, when you understand that you might get lucky to get 70 or 75 years, when you understand that, you just want to soak everything out of your life as you can. And I don't care about my success and I don't care about my feeling. I care about my living. And I care every day about waking up and not being afraid to live. I care about every day waking up, not walking and, you know, getting nervous that Oprah hasn't called me yet. I don't care. But I do care that when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to look for that one highlight, that one amazing thing that happened no matter how good or how bad my day was. And I'm going to hang my hat on that. And I'm going to say, well done, Sean, that is your highlight. And that gives me the power and the magic and the hope that tomorrow is going to be even better. And I'm going to be even better at living. So it's not succeeding. It's not failing. It's living. Live your life and everything else will take care of itself some some
0: inspirational words from our new uh, our new best friend here at the show uh sean anderson sean a- as we land this plane what are the next steps that you want the audience to take if they want to continue the conversation with you how do they do that um if there's something they're going to take action on what's what's the last direction from you here in the show to them
1: well, one thing we didn't touch on today that I would just like to touch on really quickly. I mean, the, the whole message of my life is this message called Go the Extra Mile. If you, oh, want to yeah, create, right. if you want to create positive change and make a difference, you go the extra mile. You don't continue to look at others to make things happen for you. You look at the man or the woman in the mirror and, and you do more. And I, I, I want to I just leave people with this thought that sometimes when you, when you have a, a dream and you start taking action, The dream can come much become much bigger than you even imagine. In 2009, I created an event called the Extra Mile America Tour, and it was a tour to travel across the country on a bicycle, in a Forrest Gump sort of way. And and I had events in 21 cities with the mayors of those cities, where I interviewed over 200 people that had gone the extra mile in life, in either overcoming an awesome dream or in making a significant difference in their community. And as I was pedaling across the country, I did I wanted a way to be able to to, to make extra the Extra Mile America message bigger. So I came up with this concept called Extra Mile Day. Back on November 1st, 2009, I found 20 crazy mayors that said, we want Extra Mile Day in our city. We want to clap for the Extra Mile volunteers in our city. 2009, November 1st, 23 mayors. But like I said, sometimes when you start walking the walk of a dream, it becomes bigger than the walk you originally thought you were walking. Last year, November 1st, Extra Mile Day. 2020 512 cities across the united states not only declared the day they took the time to clap for their super mile extra mile heroes so if there's something that's growing inside you today if there's a thought there's an idea for you to make your life better to make someone else's life better take action go the extra mile because you never know what magic will come from it
0: Sean, thank you so much for the work that you've done, the work you continue to do, and the inspiration for us to to not just go the way, but but go the extra mile. Um, Sean, we hope you come back and do the show in the future.
1: Uh, please come back. Well, Titus, man, it, I, it was a real privilege to be on a your your show today. You you're so full of positive life and energy, and your articulate questions they really they really made me think. And I am grateful for the opportunity to share this one-on-one time with you. Thank you so much.
0: Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again. And we hope you'll join us soon.